Welcome, everyone. You are listening to it, perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm your host, Pease Delores, and giving me the countdown this week, doing double duty, is my co-host, Terry Tam. I figure it's the only way you're going to know when to start, because you can't see Eagle. Nobody wants to see Eagle, and you're, you're not going to look at the chat where Eagle's counting down, so I'll count it down for you. You know what the worst part is? I heard one of your chat messengers went off. Like, I heard the ding sound, and it was me sending one of you a message. It was, it was me, and then, so that, the problem is, uh, I turned off the volume on my, on my computer when stuff was happening, and then Terry started speaking and I couldn't hear him because I didn't have volume on my computer. Yeah. So, I, uh, that's, that's why I'm not in the chat during the show, Eagles, because I get a billion notifications, uh, like the one that allowed us to break the uh, Le'Veon Bell news last week. Uh, I get a lot of notifications during the show, so... I try and keep my speakers off for that reason, and I keep the, well, I keep the speakers on because I need to, but I keep the chat closed for that reason. You need a second screen, man. Yeah, I know, I know. Listen, man, I'm hoping we can be back in studio soon. Um, I'm not even going to be in my house in November on November 9th, so I'm getting work done again. Wow. Um, what work yeah. are you getting done in your house now? Sending it's not his all house. My... It's, it's work being done on him. He's going for plastic surgery. Exactly. Oh. Uh, they got to transfer the fat from his tits into his ass. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I need, I need basically. I need kids. more of an, I need more of an ass too. Yeah, I don't think either one of us needs more of an ass. To be fair. Well, I mean, um, I have like one of those, like it's, it's fine, like width wise, but it's, it's just like, it's very tiny uh, this way, you know. I see. You need, uh, you need gravity to start pulling its weight. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So just get older. That's the only yeah. thing you have to do. You just gotta get some sag going. Um. So sp- speaking of big asses, uh, Stan Van Gundy. Um, he's been rehired. Uh, he's back in the NBA. He's looks like he's going to be coaching the Pelicans moving forward. Um, uh, does he have a big ass? I don't even know if he does. He's right. a giant dude. So I'm assuming. Stan Eagle, Van Gundy's you, uh, not a giant dude. He's really, Stan Van Gundy. You're thinking Nick Van Gundy. Stan is the big one. Isn't it Mike Van Gundy? I don't think so. Stan Van Gundy's the one that used to coach the Knicks. The chunky one. No, that's that's Nick. Uh, Stan Van Gundy used to coach the Heat. And Van Van Gundy is five foot eight, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Van Gundy is Jeff about the same. They're brothers, obviously. Yeah. Clearly. Both very good high school point guards. Uh, sorry, yeah, college point guards. So who are you thinking of? No, I'm thinking of. I'm, I don't know. I don't know which Gun- Van Gundy is which anymore. You're thinking of Jeff Van Gundy. He's the one that's on TV. Like he's an analyst, yeah. an analyst. Exactly. exactly. Uh, Stan yeah, Van five Gundy nine, is. The... So he's also not very tall. No, but he's Stan... saying big. Like is Jeff uh, Stan Van Gundy's chunky. Yeah, he's a big. I, I big understand chunk. now. He's the one that looks like Paul Bear. So yes, Stan actually, Van Gundy is the really one good. you're trying to model your ass after, peas, right? Exactly, exactly. I want Stan Van Gundy's ass. I understand. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure you'll be happy with him coaching again, Terry, just because he uh, tweets 1,200 times a day. All of them political. All of them very left leaning. Um, I actually think Stan Van Gundy's a really, really smart dude who's wasting his talents. Uh, in basketball, but hey, do what you love, and especially especially if they pay you millions of dollars for it. Exactly. Do what you love and who you love. We've always said that. Exactly. exactly. Um, I like it, to be honest. I always thought he was a good coach, um, just in some weird situations. In Detroit, they made him GM and head coach. I, I generally don't think that works because the GM's job is to win for the future. The coach's job is to win now. Yeah. So if, G- if you're also the GM, your job just becomes to protect the head coach. Um, and that's usually what we've seen. And that was the case, I think, with Stan Van Gundy. I think with a reduced role um, and a nice little set of players, including, of course, the all-star uh, to be Zion Williamson, I think uh, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I think they'll be fine. I think that, you know, he provides some sort of experience with that w- within the ro- within the 
that such a young team, you know, they're a young team and they're they're an up and coming team. I think obviously they have one of the better prospects in the league. Plus Lonzo Ball playing is playing. I mean, I th- I think he's very underappreciated. I think the fact yeah. that he has a Ball last name means that you're automatically going to start hating him. I think that he's a very good player. He just kind of maybe lost his shine a bit in L.A. And I think that him in New Orleans is is a fresh start. And we saw some good things from him last year. So I think that team is really looking up. Um, they still have Ingram, right? They're, they do, and they have Brandon yeah, Ingram okay. as well. I was, I was just going to say. Yeah, so they still have Ingram too. And that, that's a three young guys that you can build off of there. And honestly, and they have a few picks uh, because of the Anthony Davis trade. So we'll yeah. see, uh, all, see what they can do with that. Down. A lot of late round picks and second round picks, but you know what? With the amount that they have, you just need one to work out okay. You just need one guy, yeah, I mean, from that group that'll that'll turn out to be a decent ball player that you can use for six or seven years. Yeah, the Lakers knew that they're gonna if, with Anthony Davis and LeBron, they'll be somewhere at the top of the ranking. So for them, that pick is, doesn't really mean much for them, but yeah. for the, the Pelicans, can be a lot. It can be you know a center that they might need, or you know maybe a small forward that they can push some shooting yeah yeah some extra some extra some extra perimeter shooting i like it i like the pelicans going forward and uh, i'm a fan of man i'm i'm sold i'm sold on them except for zion i mean zion for like 4 years i think i'm good but then after that i think zion's kind of just going to fall off i mean he's just i mean it depends it, it depends big. on the game of how his game evolves right like yeah that's right. it depends on like, his body evolves too he's got to lose yeah. weight he does like i'm saying this as a fat guy like buddy like don't represent me you know that's what I mean? it, didn't represent the like, jack guys didn't Shaq play for like 15 years and he was overweight for like 11 of them? But the thing is about Shaq is that he's he didn't doesn't even come close to playing the same kind of game as Zion. Zion spreads the court like really and he's well. He's very explosive, yeah. He's very explosive. Where Shaq is like the most dominant player at his position in all of sports, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, if was... I look at yeah, if I look at what if I'm gonna say what who's the most dominant player at one position in all of sports, I think it has to be Shaq. Because yeah, that's a good chance. Shaq, because, Shaq not only did not only was he indefensible by players, but referees said he, they couldn't ref the game when he was playing because yeah. they just didn't know what, what a foul was anymore. But not only that is that yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what a foul was anymore, and not only that is that he pushed through every foul, so he's never getting fouled. And second of all, is that he's he can't shoot from the uh, from the free throw line. So for him, he, his what he did in that let's say ten foot uh, radius under that basket, he was unstoppable. I think he's the best player at one position in the history of sports Absolutely. and maybe maybe mariano rivera at, at, as a closer like those are the two guys where i can look back and say if there's one position that somebody did something really well at Shaq dominated center better than anybody and mariano rivera dominated closing better than anybody that's true i i will say the difference being that you have to deal with Shaq for 40 plus minutes and on a good night you can avoid mariano rivera altogether yeah but, uh, but that's been a done. look into the past Terry, let's look at what's happening today. That's awful. It's too clean. It's too clean. Mistake, it's, too, it's too neat for you. I know you're wearing a tie on this, but you know, it's too neat. When, when are you going to start just like dressing down like I do for these shows? Ah, Terry, it's the news. <laughs> what do you Fuck, mean? I, I, thought, I thought it would throw you off. I rolled up my sleeve. Oh, nice. I have I have a, a knit tie today, so it's very casual. So you look like the replacement history teacher. You look like a yeah. substitute history yeah. teacher. Did you name the it rolled yourself? up sleeves? Rolled up sleeves means that you know you might you might be in the process of writing a book. Yeah, exactly. And, that's that's yeah. what I'm trying to give off. Yeah, I'm trying you to give off writing, smarter than I am. Like you have uh, uh, notes, but you haven't put them together yet. Mm. You're yeah, hoping, yeah. And, and, and I never will. I never will put them together. Yeah, exactly. 
At most, yep. at most, I'll write a couple of articles for Hot Top Sports. Um, <laughs> so, Terry, the NFL uh, continues to push forward. Um, and I don't know if this was because I'm a Dolphins fan, but I liked seeing Tua sitting um, on the 15-yard line when he, where he started his career um, in Hard Rock Stadium, FaceTiming with his family that couldn't be at the game. Um, I thought that was a really, really touching moment. Um, and it was it was nice to see he's a kid. It's something that most kids will do when they're starting their first job, right? They call their parents. It just it felt like a really sweet moment, and I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa set to uh, take on the position for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Um, I, we had this not you and I, but you and Alex the intern had the discussion in our chat, but. Uh, I, I'm kind of on, uh, I agree with both of you to certain extents where I've, Alex was saying is like, listen, Fitzpatrick is winning games. You need him in there. Uh, Tua is going to be the guy for the future, whatever. I understand that. But what your point is, is that Tua is the guy for the future. There's no reason to keep him on the bench, especially if you drafted, drafted him in the top three. There's no reason to keep him on the bench because you're going to need him out there. You're going to need to show that this guy was worth the pick. If you keep him on the bench, it's a waste of fucking time. And as good as Fitzpatrick is playing, I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Will Power in his article about Tua this week, is that he's playing, but he's playing on a 3-3 three and three team. It's not as if the team is 6-0. and oh. Yes, he had a few good games where you know he showed Fitzmagic, but I just don't see the point in keeping Fitzmagic as a starter when you have a guy that you're basically saying you're going to be here for the next 10 to 12 years at least, and let's see what you can do today. I mean, you're not making the Super Bowl this year anyway, so you might as well just get it done with. Even if you finish 8-8, eight and eight, just fucking put the rookie in. There's, well, so a, uh, there's some interviews that happened today with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So some of the quotes that came out was, uh, you know, I've been a starter. I've been benched all kinds of different ways. But this was kind of the first place other than Buffalo that I've been fully committed and invested. I felt it was my team. I basically got fired yesterday, and my day-to-day consisted of Zoom meetings with the guy who fired me and sitting in a room with the guy who replaced me for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's a good sport about it, though. Another thing yeah. is that people now are saying that he should be traded to the Cowboys or whatever. What what kind of return do the, are the Dolphins going to get for trading None. away Fitzpatrick? Nothing. None. You'll get a sixth or seventh round pick at best. The thing is, Terry, so uh, there's a couple of things. People tend to look at NFL rosters like Madden, right? So they're like, you know, this guy has a higher rating until next season when the ratings get adjusted and then the other guy will be better. So you play this guy plus you're winning games. Look, even if the Dolphins were 6-0, do, do, do any of us believe they're a contender with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback? No, do you think okay. they're a legitimate contender with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback? Contender no. to what? To win the division to win the, or to win the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. There's so then there's that. no there's no point in keeping the rookie on the bench where essentially again you're getting to have a look at him. You you want to maximize the the amount of information you have before three years from now when you need to make a decision whether you're going to extend him for a lot of money or not, and you have a limited amount of time where you have the advantage of having the ideally superstar quarterback on a rookie deal so this is the, the the dolphins opportunity to see what they have and and build around this quarterback that's Richie. not going to cost them a lot of money for three years so every game he's not playing is wasted opportunity it's opportunity cost which was my point in our in our chat with uh with alex the intern but um i think look there was no problems about it going into the season everyone knew what was going to happen everyone knew right Fitzpatrick was going to start the season. If Tua was even healthy coming in, he probably would have taken the job immediately because that's what we've seen recently with top 10 picks. But 
given that he was coming in unhealthy, I think that we all knew there was going to be an expiration date. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins said, you know what, no matter what, after the bye, if two is healthy, he's going in. And that's what we're seeing. And yeah. you know what, honestly, the fact that there is a bye week coming up gives him additional time to prep for a single game, right? So if they're yeah. saying, you know, if you don't understand the system well, if you need more time to learn and everything, you're going to get a lot of reps over the next two weeks, and you'll figure it out. And if you're not ready for game time, well, that's on you, not on us. Yeah, yeah go and, and the thing is, the thing is that the Dolphins had a scheduled loss two weeks ago against the Seahawks, where everyone knew they were going to lose that game, and they had a scheduled win this week. So I actually thought that he'd be in this week, but they gave Fitzpatrick an extra game where basically Terry, you or I could have beaten the Jets. Well, that's another thing too is like what what what's Tua going to learn playing with against the Jets? I think it would have done him a lot better to play against the Jets because you can work on things against the Jets. Like it's legit, you're playing against like a second team. You're playing well, against. Like the Team two picks three. that Fitzpatrick threw, they were just trying stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> the game was over, right? So they're just trying. You know, he's like, I'll try and fit it in this window. I'll try making this throw. Um, my, my career in Miami's done anyway. Let me just rip the ball around the yard. I feel bad for him a bit, you know, because he's always comes in as the guy who's not supposed to do well and does well, you know, and he does better than expected all the time. And there's a reason why he continues to have a job. And I just can't see... I just can't see him being like the franchise guy. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. doesn't work for me. Well, but he, so, he never has been, and he's made a lot of money, and he's had a very long, successful career sure. doing exactly this thing. So two has been getting a bunch of reps right now with essentially the practice squad with Miami, right? Or like the twos, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. Do you think what what's giving him a, what would have given him a bigger challenge? Reps against the the two squad of Miami, or reps against the one squad of the Jets? Um. Well, I mean, that depends. I don't, I don't remember how much talent Adam Gase ran off on the defensive side of the ball, so probably slight edge to the Jets, but in the in the most in the slightest possible of edges. All right, now we know. <laughs> um, now it's confirmed. Terry, I'm going to post to you two situations of teams going for two. One enraged fans. One didn't seem to listen to reaction, but I thought actually was kind of a good idea, despite it not working out. Um, one was Philadelphia. After a late score with a minute and a half left, they went for two while being done by two. And people really questioned it because they thought, kick it, get the stop, and then try to get the field goal to win the game. But, I mean, there's no guarantee that you'll get that chance. It's also, it's also That doesn't make any points. sense. Well, that's what I, that, I understand. I, it's not like I agree three with points. you, Eagle. But the, 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 there was a lot of backlash on Twitter by, by who? Philly fans who don't understand how to score points. Exactly, I would imagine that's the case. Like you, like you've already allowed thirty points. Why do you think you're going to stop them now? No, but not only that is that it's also math. If you're down by two and you miss, you're still down by two, and, and the then you still win. You, you still game. need a field goal to win the game. Yeah, exactly, it's the same thing. Exactly. Um, the the other situation was Houston. They were actually uh, up by six. Sorry, they were up by, by by seven. Romeo Cornell goes for it to try and put his team up nine, making it impossible to lose the game. Right? Yes. They don't. They don't get it. Um, they allow a score, don't get the ball in, in overtime, and lose the game in overtime. Like it, it really didn't work out. But I actually kind of like Romeo Cornell saying, "You know what? I'm old as fuck. No one's gonna hire me anyway. Let me put it. Let me lay it all out all on the line right now." And that's what he did. It just sucks that it didn't work out. So I mean, I, I'd be curious to figure I, I, I out the actual the, math the and the statistics behind it, right? Because I understand the guaranteed chance of winning the game on that one play, but is it? Are you really trying to gamble on that single play, or would you rather take your bets across a, a number of plays of which you have a chance to do something? I guess you know, like, do you really want to gamble on one single event? 
Well, one thing I was going to ask you, Eagle, is because we, we keep hearing the stats about going for it um, on fourth and going for it, uh, going for two. But do you think that over time, like our sample size is kind of tainted because for a long time teams didn't do this. But as teams are going to continue to go for go for it on fourth and go for two points, we're going to actually see an adjustment because teams will be better prepared to defend it going into games as opposed to what they were before. Well, I also think there's a little bit you have to put into here of the requirement to go for it, right? Because traditionally, when you're going for it on fourth down, it's because it's fourth and inches, and you're like, okay, fine, we're going to get this, and you're just doing a quarterback sneak. Or it's because it's the end of the game, and you need to go for it on fourth down, right? Versus now, it's much more of an elective choice and a calculated risk of, we're at midfield, we're not close enough to hit the field goal, but also, if we lose the ball at midfield... I don't care as much, right? Like, we're, we'll either stop them or they'll score anyways, whether they start from the 50 or they're 25. So it's not worth it for me to, to try and punt this away. So it depends on how you're going to crunch the stats themselves and look at the scenario the team was in and use that as kind of a, a criteria when you're computing to see what the, the percentage chance is. As for whether defenses are going to adapt to it, I mean, they should already be. It's, no, no, it's I'm, a saying, I'm saying, will play. the stats change as defenses adapt to it, right? Because a lot so, of the data though. we have is historical where teams didn't particularly prepare for it because teams weren't as aggressive. But I mean, so I guess that's the thing, though, right? If it's third down or fourth down, arguably, what's the difference? You're aggressive on those, anyways, right? You don't well, want to give third down. You look at it the other way, Eagle. If you have, no, but a lot of guys said, a lot of guys go for. Yeah, a lot of guys go for it on third to set up your punt. Or, I mean, it's not necessarily going for it on third. It doesn't mean you're trying to get a first down. I mean, obviously, you want the first down, but there's a lot of things that, a lot of different things that go into that scenario. But I understand where you're coming from. You, if you're aggressive one side, you'll be aggressive on the other one. Yeah. Um, the one thing was with the Eagles play is they kind of ran like an option play where, where I think it was both Boston, Boston Scott and uh, Carson Wentz held onto the ball, and they both kind of got tackled by a dude. Um, it just. Like the thing is, what's interesting is the play call that works the best on two point conversions statistically at the moment is spreading the field and running a draw up the middle, right? Because you spread the defense and then you're attacking them with less guys in the box. The things that work the least are running wide, rolling out, and throwing uh, throwing fades uh, like goal line fades. So the goal line fade is probably the the it's the lowest the, percentage by far. It's the lowest percentage play that we've ever seen in the history yeah. of NFL. But like, I still do it because, you know, it pays big. Well, it pays big and it's low risk, and you can run that on first down. But on a convert, it just seems like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, or you run a Philly special and just say, fuck it. Yeah, well, you you think Philly would have figured that out then, but they did <laughs> not. Um, it's because they don't have Nick Foles, you know. They don't trust Carson Wentz to catch the ball. They don't even Terry, trust him to hand off the ball. Yeah. After one week of seeing Andy Dalton at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, did Dax – did Dak Prescott's stock actually rise by not playing? Because how bad this incredibly talented team looked without their their uh, the number one guy behind center? I can't just blame Andy Dalton on this one because listen, he looked great when he took over for Dak last week when he you know the, he basically won the game with those two deep balls to Michael Gallup. Yeah, I, I'm gonna blame the DBs on this one. I'm gonna blame the defensive coaches on this one. I'm gonna blame you know partially Zeke for those two fumbles. Um, I'm going to blame Michael Gallup for the fourth quarter. I think he just didn't know any of the plays. Um, there's a lot of pieces here, and I think it fall, falls down to coaching. Uh, when these guys th – these issues that you see, they never happen when Andy Reid's coaching. They never happen when Belichick is coaching. They never happen 
when McVeigh is coaching. They don't happen when the good coaches, good leaders that game plan and prepare extremely well. These things don't happen. Where Michael Gallup is looking at Andy Dalton on four different occasions in the fourth quarter when they're running, trying to run a hurry-up offense, and he's doing this. Like he doesn't know what the play is, and then he doesn't even run a route. And then yeah. he drops the, and then he drops the touchdown in the end zone. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things out there. It's like, as a Cowboys fan, I can't say trade for Fitzpatrick. It's not, it's not worth it. There's no point to putting Fitzpatrick in there. I'd rather put Ben There's a remarkable difference, I don't think, between Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'd rather put Uh, Ben DiNucci in there. Fuck that shit. There's a difference in terms of, you know, the the Miami Dolphins defense actually looks a lot better than people thought it was going to be heading into the season. And, look, we're we're seeing a guy in Flores that that actually might be a decent coach. Yeah. Um, And whereas Mike McCarthy, uh, players have already come out out starting to say that uh, there's guys on the staff that don't know what they're doing. He, on the other hand, said that this was the most prepared his team has been all season, which seems laughable if you've seen the game. Well, who was was it you that sent me the stat the last time Mike Nolan and McCarthy were coaching together? I don't think it was me. Fuck, there's a stat that Mike when Mike Nolan was the head coach and McCarthy was the offensive coordinator. I don't remember which. I think it was the Niners, I guess. Yeah. San Francisco. But there's a stat line that's very similar to what's going on right now with them. And well, how bad like, they are. Here's the thing. Did anyone think that what happened in Green Bay was Aaron Rodgers' fault? No. If anything, I mean, I salvaged that roster. Yeah. Season after season after season. And even though a lot of the roster issues aren't fixed, the team at least seems to be heading in the right t- direction together. Whereas when Mike McCarthy was there, it was just a garbage fire. I mean, the listen. got worse every year regardless of the roster. I just don't see... I mean, I, I wasn't too excited with Mike McCarthy, but I was like, okay, he's not the worst possible option. But now I think he's the worst possible option. I think <laughs> he looks he looks absolutely lost out there. And it's almost as if he didn't he doesn't know what the other team is doing, especially on defense. Mike Nolan does not know what the other team is doing. He's yeah, they, uh... they allowed nine yards a carry against the Browns. This week, they made fucking Kenyon Drake look like a genius. They couldn't... They had no way to stop Buda Baker. He was a, basically a one-man wrecking crew. They didn't even have Chandler Jones. The offensive line was banged up. They didn't have anybody that was on the line after Zach Martin went down with a concussion. They had nobody on the line that had more than three years' experience in the NFL. So there's that to play with also. I can't just blame Andy Dalton with that because the offensive line was a, basically a, a college offensive line. No, and we even... I, I remember when they were on the one-yard line, um, Dallas ran like a contained blitz, and, and Kenyon yeah. Drake walked in to the end zone. Yeah, yeah. And, we were all very confused, like, well, why wouldn't you at least stack the box and then just go man coverage on the outside? And that way, you know, like, let them earn let them earn the touchdown. Don't let them just take the easy, the easy, you know, one-yard run. There were so many situations in that game where I was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's not the same Cowboys that I watched last year. Yeah, I agree. And the Cowboys weren't even good last year. No. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at this Cowboys team this year, and I'm like, this is the worst Cowboys team I've seen ever. But can, since- can we can we just make an argument that 2020 hasn't been a great year for the U.S. and so America's team should also reflect that? Since since Quincy Carter, I haven't since Quincy Carter was the head co- was the starting quarterback, yeah. and Dave Campo was the head coach. I haven't seen a worse Dallas Cowboys team in the history it's since I started watching football like in '94. Well, and it's rough because the like the offensive talent is there. We know it's there. We know that the offensive line is banged up, but still, the offensive talent and skill positions is probably better than anyone else has in the league. Um, and it appears very clear to me. I think I don't think we had any proof to tell us that this was the case, but I think Mike McCarthy 
uh, has gotten bailed out in his career because of quarterback play? Oh, is that a possibility? Because now that he lost the star quarterback, this is what his team looks well, like. Well, he doesn't make any fucking adjustments. No. So Aaron Rodgers had to make all those adjustments on his own because he's yeah. capable of doing it. But he can't make any adjustments. You think Andy Dalton's making adjustments? Andy Dalton's looking for a four-yard pass to throw to. Yeah, he's just trying to get the ball out of his hand to not get murdered by Buda yeah. Baker. Which um, he does very Pats, well. The Pats looked uh, rusty after their, their COVID situation forced them out of their facility. They uh, go take on the Broncos in probably the worst game of the weekend. Um, surprising result to you, Terry? Yes, very surprising. I mean, the fact that the, they won with six field goals is beyond me. You know what I mean? And yeah. Cam Newton, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to jump off the Cam Newton bandwagon yet. I'm still on the Cam Newton bandwagon. I think that he's more than capable. Uh, everybody's going to have a, a sketchy game here and there, but it was against the Broncos, and that's the part that makes me a little cringy is that I don't – there's something there's something that's not the same in, Patri- in New England, and I wonder what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I wonder if something – if it didn't go east – or east, <laughs> south. South. <laughs> and maybe slightly east. I feel like Florida kind of sticks out. It's kind of like a, a dick at the end of the uh, country. But not Tampa Bay, though. Tampa Bay is more inland. That's true. That's also a good point. That's a good point. Um, but, but it's crazy, though, the, 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 the swap from Town Boston to Tampa Bay now. Yeah. So the Bruins, you know, fucked. They lost Tory Crew. They couldn't pay him. They said, fuck him. He's not going to pay. They're, they're kind of on a down. They're on a slope going down. Then you have the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup because of that, right? Yeah. Then you have the Bucks doing well, 4-2. and two. Then you have the Tampa Bay Rays in the fucking finals. When this year people were talking about them being moved back to Montreal. Well, not back to Montreal, but Montreal having another team and Tampa Bay being that team. So, I mean, title town Boston. We saw Mookie Betts. He got he, he the, the Red Sox didn't want to sign him. He's playing in this. He's playing in the the World Series now for the Dodgers. I mean, it's it. I, Boston's not the title town anymore. Boston's not championship city anymore. It's Tampa Bay. It's a yeah. place to be. And no tax, no state tax. They don't even have their marathon this year. I mean, what's going on, guys? Yeah, what's good? What's what are we gonna do? I mean, that's for different reasons, but still. Yeah. Um. Honestly, um, it does seem it does seem to be things are all looking up in Tampa Bay. The downside of that, of course, is you have to live in Tampa Bay. Um, but I think like like to your point. Cam Newton's going to figure it out. They've already changed their system significantly to accommodate his style of play, which is the right thing to do. Um, and I just think that th- these kind of things, this is a season where things are going to be odd. You saw Cam Newton being forced to miss a game and, and Hoyer start a game because the, he there was one player that had COVID. And then a whole team had an outbreak and they got rewarded by not having to play backups. And they, it seems as though they've even gotten better and better since the COVID situation happened, whereas the, the, the Patriots just seem kind of in disarray because they were unable to get into, um, into, their, um, into their, their, their facility. I don't know, man. I, the way I see it is that this season is such a fucking toss-up. That whatever, like it's something crazy, crazier is going to happen this season. I think, I think it's going to be something like Andy Dalton wins the MVP or something like that, or like Ryan Tannehill wins the MVP. Well, actually, Ryan Tannehill's probably my early, my early favorite to be MVP. So like, I'm not surprised that everything, that what's going on right now, especially in New England, them, you know, I mean, with New England, they always get those, they get their, their, they get their butts licked a bit, you know. So they, they, it took advantage of the fact that they. 
they didn't have to play any backups and they moved their game or whatever it is. So crazier things are going to happen, I think, this year. And that's not the start. That's not that's not one of them. I mean, that's one of them. That's only the beginning. And yeah, I think I'm, so. I'm just waiting for shit to happen. I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting for somebody to die or get their leg ripped off or something. I don't know. Something fucked up is going to happen this year. The um, what the thing that's making me happiest about the Titans is it's validating the Miami Dolphins because, like maybe maybe uh, Ryan Tannehill got instantly better eight years into his career, or maybe the coaching was just absolutely garbage. <laughs> um, a guy who looked like he couldn't throw past three yards at a time looks completely dynamic, and the Gase offense looks the same as it looked when they had Ryan Tannehill. So oh, maybe maybe Ryan Tannehill wasn't the issue. Um, Terry, the Dodgers are up one nothing uh, after the coming down, coming back from being down 3-0 in the uh, National League Championship Series. The Dodgers kind of feel like this is the year they got to win, right? Like after after having come back in that series and now taking the lead, it kind of feels like yeah, things are looking up. Kershaw took the bump; he looked good. Everything yeah. you want, if you're a Dodgers fan, is is working out the way you want it. In your head, I think this is perfect timing for the Dodgers. I mean, I think they're 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 kind of like the the hockey quote firing at all cylinders. I think they're 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 hot at the right time. Kershaw winning game one is huge because there's less pressure on Kershaw when he's in game one. If he's if he's gonna be in an in an elimination game later on, I think that's where he's gonna falter. Right now, he's at a 500 record. He's 12 and 12 in the postseason. I mean, I, I'm a huge Kershaw guy. It just doesn't make sense how he can't translate it to the playoffs, but. I like the way he played last night. Actually, it was the I always watch the World Series. It was the first uh, game of the Dodgers I watched in the in the in the playoffs this year. And they're stacked, man, head to toe. I mean, I, I think that they're gonna walk right through Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay coming off they almost they almost blew their three zero lead to the fucking Houston uh, Asterix. You know what I mean? So it's it's and they they, they and they won their last game by a, a little tight. So it's to me, it's like Tampa Bay is kind of like on edge. Where Dodgers are like fuck it, they're full momentum, and I I I think they're gonna run away with this. And I'm I'm not a huge Dodgers guy, obviously as a Mets fan, but realistically, do I want to see them win? One reason is because I want to see Kershaw win. I want everybody to shut the fuck up. The guy's a great pitcher, and yeah. two and two, I want to see Mookie Betts win just to stick it to the Red Sox. You know what I mean? So they don't want to pay him. They're like fuck you. That's the thing is like I'm kind of torn too because there's a couple things. One is if the Rays win, it probably delays when the Expos return to Montreal, so that bothers me. Um, <laughs> I'm with you on Kershaw. Like the, the the amount of hate he gets is unreasonable. The guy is an absolute Hall of Famer. Um, he hasn't gotten wins in the playoffs, but that said, we also know that people were cheating against him last time around. So it's kind of cool. It kind of feels like a redemption story, but it happens so infrequently for someone to be that talented to get a redemption story. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch. Um, I, I've always loved the way he pitches. I, I love his attitude. He just He's a guy who doesn't waste time. He throws strikes. He's what you want if you want to watch baseball. Um, but it's it comes down to this. is The Dodgers have a lot of money. They went out. They spent the money. They brought in Mookie Betts, to your point. Uh, but the Rays have been just a well-run organization for so long. They have great pitching. Uh, they, they've created um, a team where they can move pieces up and down the lineup where night after night, is, the lineups don't even look kid? the same. How old is that right? kid, Glasnow? Glasnow, he's, he's uh, still on his, his rookie deal, if I'm he's not still, mistaken. I think he's a little teeny. He's, for. Kid's yeah. got, he's got acne. But he, yeah, he's, he's got acne and a flamethrower. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's 97, 98 last night? Yeah. Jesus. 
He's got he's got the most luscious hair. Also, I love that yeah. guy. Yeah, it and I like I like his style too. He's a little cocky. I like it. That's probably why he's got the acne though. It's the hair, the greasy hair. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the hair and the face. I get it. I've yeah. been there. I know. So can we reflect on the Braves from the '90s until today? And maybe this is my expo's bias, but like maybe you don't deserve a, a franchise at this point. Like you, for all the talent <laughs> you've had. For all the talent you've had, you had three of the best pitchers ever to play on the same staff all at once. You had this great hitting team where everyone in the entire lineup can mash. Who was the third? And pitcher? once again, your season ends in abject failure. Who was the third pitcher? We had Schilling, Maddox, and no, it was uh, when it was Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavine. Oh, Smoltz and Glavine. Okay, and then I'm well, a bit older than you, Terry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, d- it's tough, man. It's tough for Brent Botkin, too, the Botkinator. He's a contributor to Hot Sauce. He's a Braves fan. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough for him because – it's tough for him because, one, he's a Niners fan. Two, he's a Braves fan. Three, he's a – I want to say Red Wings fan. So, he basically started watching sports in the 90s and just yeah. liked all the best teams. All the best teams. And so, I'm like, you know what? You deserve to lose. Yeah. You know? And the Braves – Fuck the Braves. Fuck Chipper Jones. I think we went on a Chipper Jones rant a couple weeks ago. And Chipper, like, fuck him. I don't care about this guy. Like, I don't care about the Braves. As a Mets fan, as an Expos fan, I can't I can't get behind it. I'm happy they lost. I'm happy they blew the, the lead. It just yeah. it adds to the Atlanta sports bullshit. You know what I mean? Can't win anything. Can't do it. Like, in recent years, Atlanta's kind of become a second home to me. I go there often, and we have a lot of friends and family there. And um, I saw them all upset on my social media feed and i was secretly celebrating <laughs> i was very happy in the misery the braves are the team of the south too like if you're from uh if you're from um north florida georgia north yeah maybe maybe like south florida tennessee like that area you're you're a, you're a lot of brave fans so they have like a big region yeah. in the in the states and there must be there's a lot of upset people right now there's a lot of upset people that's for sure. They probably deserve it. Um, there's been some talk about Trevor Lawrence and his potential destination. It looks as though he's New York bound no matter what. Um, Roddy White said that if, if he gets if there's talk of him going to the Jets, he should stay in college, which that's funny for someone with a lot of money to say for someone who's not getting paid. Yeah. Turn down the money. Um, and then Deion Sanders said he should do the Eli Manning thing. Just go to the draft and then just say, I'm not playing for the Jets. Yeah. Um, and as a, as a Dolphins fan, that would make me exceptionally happy. I hope that's the way it works out. Where you get, you get like, you get, you ask a girl out to the prom and she starts laughing at you. That's what I want. I want Trevor Lawrence to be the hot chick at the dance who won't go with you. So, so but another, I, I, I actually wanted to check something just to let everyone know how this works. So, uh, underclassmen have until seven days following the NCAA national championship game to declare their intent, and that happens to be January 13th. So yeah. January 20th, he needs to decide whether or not he wants to be eligible for the draft or continue playing at that point. So by then, if my math is correct, we're going to know more or less who's getting first draft pick, right? Of course. Of course. You, we will know We will know because even though the playoffs aren't done, Isn't there the, a lottery? the highest picks, it doesn't matter. Isn't it a lottery? There's no lottery, no. Not, for the not in the NFL, no? No, just reverse order of standings. Oh, so, okay, that's good. So we do know. Wait like all the way until the last minute until like he basically knows where he's going and then be like, nah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so we've seen we've if seen you're that. Trevor Lawrence, though, do you give up the opportunity to play in New York? 
Do you give up the opportunity to maybe build your legacy with a fucking struggling team? Are you the type of guy for as if you're Trevor Lawrence to say, "Listen, I'll come. Uh, I won't be an asshole, and I won't ask for a trade if you kind of get rid of Gase." Like, I think there, there is. I think his agents might be on that. Be like, "Listen, we're only coming here. Well, we'll declare, but only if you get rid of Gase." Like, that's pretty. But much I, I mean, I don't. I don't think Gase will. Like, I don't think he's going to last, last season either. Year. Yeah, but who do you bring in? I mean, there's a lot of young coaches out there. I think Vance Joseph. Is a good defensive mind you can put in there. Someone hire Eric Bieniemy, please. Somebody hire. He's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Oh, okay, yes, yes, exactly. He keeps yeah. not getting off jobs. I don't the understand. The other question, obviously, is if he does wait a whole year, who knows if one he's going to be healthy, two if someone is going to surpass him, and maybe he's not going to go number one anymore. Well, I mean, but, there's there's trade bats. A lot of people are talking about trade bats. I don't think anyone should ever not go to the draft because you're never going to replace that income. Exactly. So. Even let's say it's I don't know let's say let's choose a random number let's say it's five million dollars for your first year, even if you're gonna get that money in the next year, you still have a year where you didn't make five million dollars. I don't know about you, Terry. I like five million dollars. I mean, I don't hate it. You know, you don't hate it. Okay. No, I don't Terry hate it. Use. Terry doesn't yeah. hate five. Million. I don't hate five million dollars. I mean, you know, if you want to give me five million dollars, I'll take it. All right. I'll, I'll transfer it right over, no problem. Uh, right on, right <laughs> uh, on Trevor Lawrence's account. But you're right, though. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence. I mean, unless he unless he wants to graduate, that's a different story. I don't know if he what his his education well, status you, is. You're rich. You can pay for school. It's no problem. Oh, I agree. I agree. But you know, some guys, you know, family values, finish school. It's more important. All that shit. Whatever. Football's always going to be there, but it might not be if you get destroyed and you you dislocate your hip like Tua did. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in there. I think that he's better off just declaring for the draft. And going back to school later, or doing, or taking classes, or just paying for the degree like normal, like like normal athletes do, like normal rich people do. Absolutely, <laughs> um, I agree with you, Terry. Uh, and also, like, won't you just get an honorary degree because he was awesome at his time yeah. at Clemson? Like, even if he doesn't finish, you'd be like, you know what? Here's your degree. It's all Here good. It what did you want to major in? Law? Here. No problem. Medicine? You're a doctor. <laughs> no problem uh terry we have a guest today uh dave brown joins us what's he been up to uh, recently uh still working for ami uh you know that's the that's the channel that has uh that's about for disabilities and uh, you know they focus on that they're very uh you know i think they're publicly funded uh he has dave brown radio he hosts it once a week and you know dave brown's a good guy and he's very knowledgeable and the reason why i asked him to come on is because he actually had a twitter beef with alex the intern so i wanted to, to, to bring him on and talk about that a bit, so we can. It make seems fun as though a lot of people have beefs of social media variety with Alex the intern. Well, all it does is just keeps us at the top of people's feed. So oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I love it because it gets attention, and for once, someone else gets yelled at who isn't me. But it also bothers me that he hasn't changed his Twitter handle to Alex the intern, and it's still Vintage Habs. I think he's got to change that name. That's an awful fucking Twitter yeah, handle. Yeah, it's terrible. Terrible. Um, so let's get to our interview. Uh, we'll get to Dave Brown next. This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and La Salle's barbecue sauce. Peas. Just like Rubbercraft, I can't resist a good rub down, and Mike's barbecue sauce is the best rub down in town. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off. And don't forget to rub your meat peas. And we're back. We're joined by Dave Brown. Dave, how's it going, bud? 
Hey, really great, guys. So happy to be back with you guys. Uh, really happy to see all the success you guys are having and uh, great work keeping this going during the pandemic. But guys, if I'm being honest, I'm almost like a little bit bummed out. Like since the beginning of August, it's been like a sports cornucopia. And now hockey's done, basketball's done, and baseball's wrapping up this week. Like I'm going to be bored at a certain point. Yeah, so like right now I'm, watch, I'm re-watching the highlights to the Dodgers, the game one of the World Series. You know, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> the <laughs> way I feel watch. right now is sort of like, you know the hangover on the last day of a bachelor party where it's still the bachelor party, but you know it's ending and you know you got to go to work tomorrow and you're going to feel like shit. <laughs> that's what I feel like with sports right now. Yeah, that's how I was feeling. Basically, even after the first weekend of hockey, like basically eight, nine, ten hours a day eating like nothing but fried chicken and like just drinking mm-hmm. beer. And all of a sudden, like you're back to work on Tuesday. And it was like, oh, man, what was that? And then it just kept going and going and going. And it was amazing. But again, like I said, like even last Saturday, you had like that great UFC that started a little bit earlier with the Korean zombie and Brian Ortega. And that went into right. like the Lomachenko fight. Like it was just one of these like great sports nights. And now as we're starting to lose more and more of these sports along the way like there's going to be not a down period because of course we're going to have football to keep us busy and the champions league is back in the mix but i don't know it's going to be like it's going to be a little bit tough like what am i going to do in the afternoons well that's the thing too a champions league they play at three o'clock right so if you're like a nine to five or you're not really able to watch it unless you watch it later on but like, yeah the whole vibe of like the whole sports usually in october we're jam-packed with sports you get the nhl the nba is all firing the nfl is good uh you know the world series obviously that timeline didn't change so there's a lot of things i get it uh, it's 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 tough, man. But at least we're getting something. You know what Truth. I mean. And Truth. golf has been golf has for me has been great this year. I mean, I've watched a ton of golf. I played over forty rounds this year. I've been on fucking fire. Oh, so wow. like for me, yeah, golf has been great for me, and it's a great way to like fill that void of like sports and competition that you're looking for. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't get it get it on at all this summer. I was, it was too bad. I'm kind of like locked here in the midst of the concrete jungle of Toronto. But uh, but yeah, no. I mean, what a great way to like get active, get outside, and like still see some people. Like it's it's kind of been like the perfect pandemic sport. Well, I mean, active. I mean, you're dry, right. So I'll walk. <laughs> I, I walk for the most part. But like when I'm taking my cart, especially when I'm playing with peas, it's just beers. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like we're not really burning any calories. You no, know? we're, we're, go we're taking more beers, calories so than we're burning. <laughs> Taking in a lot more calories. <laughs> uh, so Dave, Dave, you come to us via uh, AMI, which is Accessible Media. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I know I've been on the show a couple times before, and the last time I was on, uh, we were just in the middle of launching a brand new show called Now with Dave Brown, uh, which airs weekdays in the mornings between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live on AMI-tv, as well as on AMI-audio, available by podcast as well. And it's uh, it's really what I've been working towards for like 11, 11 12 years since I like got into the industry when I first met Terry. Uh, I've always wanted to have my own, my own talk show, and finally, after a lot of hard work and a lot of like diversity experience over the years uh ami gave me this opportunity we've been running with it we're having a ton of success uh the show is simultaneously super fun and very serious like we can talk about uh politics in one segment and talk about chili dogs in the next so it's kind of the exact kind of show that i've been wanting to do for all these years so i'm super super thrilled and i encourage anybody if they want to come check it out please do uh it's a little bit different you know we talk about stuff through a bit of a disability lens but we're we're covering all the bases across the board and we have a lot of fun doing it I can I I don't know if I came on with now with Dave Brown, but I did come on Dave Dave Brown Radio. I think it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I had a good time, man. It was awesome. I would love to come back. I know we we had scheduled for me to come on at one point, and then I tried to get peas, but we were both kind of busy. So yeah. hopefully that we can come on and uh, you know show it's some more AMI it's as well. It's a weird time where um, 
quarantine for me was over and I had to be in my office and therefore couldn't be on the show. Yeah. Uh, but definitely we'll, we'll work it out for sure because it's, yeah, a, it's a great platform. We're happy to, to be doing it. And we're happy, of course, to have you as a friend of our show, Dave, because uh, your opinions, your thoughts, uh, they're better constructed and better thought out than mine and Terry's combined. <laughs> so you give us a lot of credibility. Um, and the first of your thoughts that I want to get is uh, you wanted to talk, to talk to us about the Dodgers. And Terry and I already talked about this a little bit. Uh, we're of the belief that Look, the way I see it is Clayton Kershaw was going to be a Hall of Famer anyway. Of course, the, the postseason struggles is part of the story. But, you know, when you look at someone's career in totality, you don't just want to look at the greatness. You want to look at every part of it. Uh, he did struggle. He looks like he's on track now to win a World Series and to, um, after, after the game he had last night, sort of put some of those worries to rest. Yeah, I think this postseason in general has been emblematic of of uh, Clayton Kershaw's overall postseason record, right? He's he's pitched a couple of dazzling games, including one against the Milwaukee Brewers and a pretty effective game against the San Diego Padres in the next series. And then he struggled against the Atlanta Braves. Last night, he pitches another dazzler. And there's been a little bit of inconsistency in Clayton Kershaw's career in the playoffs. He's the, of any pitcher with over 100 innings pitched in the playoffs. He does have the highest ERA. But that tells you two things at once. One, it says, well, he's had some struggles here, but also he's someone who the manager knows has the talent to be given the ball so many opportunities uh, despite some of those struggles. So that's one of those great things that kind of encourages Clayton Kershaw. The other thing that I think should be remembered here, although his game's a little bit in decline at 32 years old, he still is just 32. So the Dodgers yeah. have gone to the World Series three of the last four years. That in and of itself is an accomplishment, getting to the big, the big series as often as he has. And the other side of it too is if he picks up a ring this year and knowing the caliber of this Dodgers team with so many young players in their mix, they could go to the World Series three out of the next four years as well. There's a possibility that he might add two, three, four rings at the back end of his career when he becomes maybe the number two, or well, he already is the number two pitcher in that rotation, but when he becomes maybe the number three or the number four, the grizzled veteran, I, I think there's still a possibility for Clayton Kershaw to even further cement his legacy. I think I think you're right, Dave, and I, I, we spoke about it a bit before, and I mentioned that Kershaw game one is what you want him at. You want him in game one, less pressure. You don't want him in, you don't want him in the, in the elimination games. The, not, not necessarily. He's a, he's a great pitcher. I mean, I think if he wins the world series this year, you know, having won the world series, I think he's going to shut a lot of people up. If he doesn't lose a game, if he wins two games out of, let's say they go to like a six game series or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. But I do like Kershaw and I think that he does get a lot of heat. The baseball playoffs are, it's probably one of the toughest tournaments to play in. So, I mean, the guy, the fact that he's out of 500 record, I mean, yeah, it's not going to play well in his Hall of Fame votes, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, the guy is a fucking stud. I mean, we can't mm -hmm. we can't deny that. And the, for the Dodgers to be, like you said, the World Series the last three to four years, I can't. I'm, as a Mets fan, a as a pseudo Mets fan, as a by way of Montreal, uh, I think that I can't stand the Dodgers. I actually know I can't stand the Dodgers, uh, but I do. I would like to see them win so we can basically shut up all the the Kershaw. <laughs> haters and stuff like that. As long as what was that douchebag? Chase Utley. As long as he doesn't have a fucking ring, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, it's more about the people we root against than the people we yeah. root for sometimes in sports. I, I can't get over that Chase Utley when he when he injured uh, Tejada at second, when he broke his line, went straight to Miguel Tejada and broke his leg, and that basically changed the series for the Mets versus the Dodgers. Dodgers went on to go to the World Series and lose to the Royals, but like, it just doesn't 
I mean, I can't get over that. I watch it. I'm, I'm thinking about it today. I'm like, it doesn't make sense how he was still able to stay on base. But whatever. That's uh, I digress. Maybe I'll is write that, a blog is, that a, is, is that a grudge from like five, six years ago? Yeah. Like, are we going yeah, back to the 2015 yeah. World Series? Wow. 2015, deep, yeah. It's deep, deep cut. You know, it's, it's still, it hurts right here, man. Hey, right here. <laughs> it's like it stings. Every once in a while, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, ah, ah, Chase Utley. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny, right? Sometimes we think about uh, the gamesmanship in postseason play for teams, and we think about uh, the physicality you might see sometimes in hockey or football. But in a sport like baseball, it's it's more about the, the cerebral side. People will never forget what Derek Jeter did against the Oakland A's, whereas when you try to add a physical component to baseball, it just doesn't jive. It throws me off, and I played football my entire life. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 12 years, and I and I boxed for about six years. So it's like for me, it's like uh, the contact to me is is great. I love it, you know, but not in baseball. Baseball, yeah. I'm a, I'm more of a purist. I don't want any. I, I only want umpires. I don't want any uh, technology. Pease is gonna hate me for this because he thinks technology should just take over all officiating. Yeah, I, but, just, I don't want any officials at all. actually. <laughs> Because technology can't make the game all about themselves. Yeah. Like umpires can. Yeah. <laughs> technology doesn't have grudges. You know, not yet anyway. They might later on. But I don't know. Like, we're so screwed. We're so screwed. So, I don't know. Some Sundays when I watch the NFL and I'm flipping between games and it feels like the officials are calling a bunch of different sports between games, I do think that, like, yeah, we can maybe use a little technology here for a little bit of consistency. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you got. I mean, the NFL. I mean, we see a lot of technology in baseball too. It's kind of kicked in in soccer too. Hockey. I mean, there's a lot more. There's a lot less room for error because a lot of things are a lot more clear in hockey, I guess. But uh, yeah, you you need an official. You need an umpire for sure. But you don't. It's not a necessity anymore. And I think because mm-hmm. we have the technology to Where be you started defense, by saying you need it for sure, and then yeah. said in the next sentence that it wasn't a necessity. <laughs> I'm still thinking about 2015, man. My brain's all over the place. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I brought up neg- I brought up bad memories for me. I remember sitting on my couch watching that game and being like, "This, I can't believe this guy's still in the fucking game. It doesn't make yeah. any sense." Hey, I got, a qu- I, got, I got a question for you guys, actually, and, and, and um, it's a leading question. Sorry, I'm a host of a show, so sometimes I take over like this. No I take over if you want, please do it. What do you what do you guys make of of this Dodgers team? Like beyond Clayton Kershaw, if you look at at the, at the president of the team, Andrew Friedman, who who's the guy who's the architect behind the infrastructure behind this Tampa Bay team, a lot of criticism coming towards the Los Angeles Dodgers as one of these quote money teams. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you guys think that's a fair criticism? Of course it is. I mean, it's a fair criticism, but it's also the sport of baseball, so we can't really hate on it that much. I mean, the fact that they were able to pay Mookie Betts, that's on Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox, we, I was talking about it before. This is a, I think Tampa Bay has become title town, as opposed to Boston was before, you know? So Boston lost Mookie Betts. Now, now Dodgers have Mookie Betts. The guy's a fucking stud. He's an MVP. You know, he's unbelievable. Guys like Cody Bellinger, Turner, they do have they, they have that they're the money uh purchases i guess but they also have a lot of guys that been in that system for a long time you know what i mean yeah and i look at a guy like cody bellinger and i think that guy does nothing wrong you know what they i mean they like don't have david price playing this season as well right because he's sitting yeah. out so that also changes the whole team and how they're successful this year is kind of ridiculous without him but anyway but but, but. the thing is the thing is the perception is that it's easy to manage a team with a lot of money uh, the fact that the, the Red Sox were unable to sign Mookie Betts because they had so many bad contracts on their books uh, shows how it is that the Dodgers have been able to be so successful for such a long time because these quote-unquote money teams, they're usually, they have a run for about five years, then they got to tear it down, the owner wants a bit of money back, and then 
bit by bit they start spending again, and that's not been the case. The Dodgers have been very consistent. They they've handled the, their finances well. Now the fact that the Rays got there with having I think they have only had three players with whose salaries are more than five million dollars. Yeah, that's impressive. That's that's you got to look at that and say, well, look, there's something that they're doing right. Yeah, but. It's just two ways of managing a team. This exists in baseball because of the lack of salary cap. That's always been the case. Terry, you and I know the Montreal Expos owners were the richest owners in Major League Baseball. They just didn't want to invest in the team. Mm. I mean, uh, we could talk about that. That's a whole other episode. Right yeah, it's a whole other we, thing. Yeah. We always bring up that Dave Sampson. Because David Sampson's a yeah. goddamn oh, asshole. Oh. Oh, Dave, have you, have you yeah. heard – did you hear uh, Ariel Hawani – uh, go toe to toe with Dave Sampson on, uh, on on the Levitard on the Levitard, Levitard show. show yeah. yeah, so so you know, so I'll I'll be I'll be honest here. I, I love the Dan Levitard show. I love the Levitard yeah. and Friends podcast network. It drives me crazy that they give David Sampson a basically weekly platform. It's crazy to, man. To, to to be a scumbag on the air. And I loved that segment they had where Ariel went right at David uh, Sampson. You, you needed a guy like Ariel who has all the fucking facts, who lived yeah. it. It's, he's well, not the, guy. the context of Quebec as well. Of course, you know I mean? like, yeah. He was talking about because one of the things David Sampson kept complaining about was the fact that, like, you know, he got made fun of because of his French. Well, like, that's part his of French the deal. Good, here yeah. Quebec, yeah. You know, like, yeah. if you don't like it, hire somebody who speaks French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but his it's, French was fine. He was able to speak French. Yeah, he does. He's able to speak French like a normal Jewish guy that lives in Montreal. I mean, he spoke French exactly like they do. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not, there's nothing, there's nothing, like, he spoke the language. There's no problem with that. He, Bob Ganey. I mean, he spoke, like he had an English accent speaking French, but he knew every freaking word. So, like for him, it, it, like it doesn't matter it, that he wasn't uh, not he's not from France. People made fun of him, yeah, but you're able to still do it. People also made fun of you because you spent so much money on the worst players ever. Graham Lloyd, <laughs> Graham Lloyd. <laughs> oh my gosh, sorry, Bartolo Colon. You know, it's it's one of these things, though, that, that our experience as Montrealers will tint the way we look at the baseball landscape, right? It, it's 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 impossible not to look at it. But but one of the reasons why I asked that question about the Dodgers is because, yes, it is true. They were able to go out and bring in a Mookie Betts. And previously, they've been able to go out and sign moderate to high price starting pitching in the offseason. But when you look at the core of this team, you mentioned Bellinger. We've got Corey Seager. We've got Jock Peterson. Uh, there's there's one more that, that's, that, that's escaping my brain right now but we're looking at players who are the most significant players on those team maybe other than Mookie Becks even people like Walker Bueller Clayton Kershaw these are draft and development prospects by the LA Dodgers this isn't the LA Angels trying to sign Albert Pujols to a lot of money to compliment Mike Trout or the Philadelphia Phillies bringing in the Bryce Hoppers and the Bryce Harpers and the JT Riomutos not really doing their work to build a foundation for a team when you look at the work the Dodgers do they do that work they draft well they develop their players well and the big difference for them is when it comes time to pay your own guys if the guy is worth it for them they have the cash to go do it so it's almost like it's almost like a jealousy but i don't levy the criticism at them the same way i might i might levy it towards the new york yankees or the philadelphia phillies or the la angels yeah it's a little different i think i've kind of softened up on the yankees a bit i used to say that the yankees are what's wrong with baseball where they, they used to just buy everybody and i i've kind of softened up on them a bit because they have developed a lot of the guys that they have on the roster right now obviously they went to they signed stanton but whatever you know you're going to sign players you have to go get mm-hmm. if you have the money go get the best but i like the way the yankees built the roster and i like I, i've softened up on my hate towards them i think i've more i've directed all my hate towards chase Utley, and i'm just going to keep it at that like that's just <laughs> just that person yeah totally 
fair. So, so in this series, do you guys feel yourself rooting for the Dodgers, or do you feel a bit of a pull towards the Rays? Oh no, I'm I'm pulling towards the Dodgers. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rays win. I mean, I think it's a good story because of the stats that Pease mentioned about their salary and who they have. Kevin Kermeyer is a great player. I mean, I think he's one of the best in the league. And but I'm I'm kind of leaning towards the Dodgers because of that whole Kershaw, Mookie Betts, like go fuck yourself, Boston. Like I want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I kind of want everyone just to shut up about Clean Kershaw. At the same time, um, I do. Sorry, Alexa, reminder off. I hate. I hate. <laughs> not Alexa, wants her, well, Alexa wants to get her takes in there on the show. <laughs> Nonstop. It's pretty bad, and and I don't know how to do it with the app. Oh, it's driving me crazy. Anyway, technology. Um, he's can't figure it out, but he wants all of technology. Eagle, Eagle, turn off my reminders. <laughs> You know, it's funny because when I have conference calls with my boss and he says my name, it actually activates his Alexa behind the scenes. And he's like, God damn it. And he changes his room. So. <laughs> Eagle, fix pieces Alexa right now. <laughs> Produce a fixed so, Alexa. So I'm, I, I kind of want, again, I kind of want Kershaw to win. At the same time, I'm impressed with the with the Rays have done. But then, like, the, the, the selfish piece comes forward. I'm like, if they win, maybe delays, uh, you know, delays their return to Montreal where like maybe like now we're on a five-year timeline to get the Expos maybe that makes it eight not happy with that so I don't know I don't know how I feel Dave I don't know how I feel you know that's a really good point I didn't even consider that in the landscape of the Expos coming back to Montreal garbage person like I am no 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 dude I I want the Expos to come back to Montreal so badly I I think that's something that that, that would really add a lot of value to the sports culture in the city uh but I but I guess 2020 has been such a mess so far that I I think I've kind of forgotten that that story even existed like the idea of building stadiums or bringing 25,000 Montrealers into one place together like seems so foreign to me that I forgot that was even on the table so yeah you know what go Dodgers all the way and the, you know, and the last thing I'll kind of say about this, in terms of where I'm at with the Dodgers and sort of the, the team building structure, you know, there is something admirable about what the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays do in regards to their team building style. The thing is, what happens is, yeah, maybe you get to the playoffs as almost a perennial team, as sort of a perennial five seed or a wild card team, and maybe once every ten years you get to go to the World Series, but. I, I guess that's the advantage of being a money team like the Dodgers. It means that you're not having to ship talents away every two, three years and then continuing to replenish it. It's almost like a college football team, right? Like the Auburn Tigers mm-hmm. were a really strong team last year, sent a bunch of players to the NFL draft, and this year the Auburn Tigers are really struggling. It's happening yeah. with the LSU Tigers too. That that when you're one of these small market teams, you have to kind of work on four-year cycles or five-year cycles, that's whereas true. when you're a Dodgers team, it's like, yeah, we can be competitive for a decade providing we do our work. I forgot another reason why I want the Dodgers to win. Joe Kelly. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, Joe Kelly is a fucking beauty, especially going after the Astros. Even though I was kind of rooting for the Astros, nobody was going for them. I, I kind of root for the bad guys sometimes, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, and most move. of the time, actually, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I wrote a whole blog. I wanted to come back, and they made the comeback, and then the Rays ended up winning because they are the better team. Uh, but, yeah, so Joe Kelly, to me, he's like, if he can get a ring, yeah, I'll be happy. <laughs> Uh, he'll be the craziest looking person who has a ring for sure. Uh, Dave, you had a uh, a beef with Alex, our intern, uh, on Twitter about his take on he's the intern, uh, not just our intern. He's the sorry, intern. the intern, Alex, the intern, on um, his thoughts. Oh, sorry, he was just sharing an article actually about the Montreal Canadiens. But what was your thoughts uh, just just before we let you go here? 
Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've found myself in a couple uh, comment section wars uh, with you guys about the Montreal Canadiens over the course of the last couple months. But specifically, it was an article about what's next for the Montreal Canadiens, which, you know, is, is a fair question. And I responded with mediocrity. And Alex, the intern, uh, did not like my, my answer of more mediocrity. So if you guys will allow me to make my case. Yes, uh, absolutely. Go right, ahead. So let's go that way. So let's start with some broad strokes. The team was 24th overall in the league last year. That's like not news to anybody. A minus goal, a minus nine goal differential. That's the worst of any teams that made the qualifying round. Really, they were only one win away by the Buffalo Sabres from not making the playoffs yeah. at all. So even with the qualifying round win over Pittsburgh and being frisky against Philadelphia, in the aggregate, I think we can agree the team was bad last year, right? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Definitely agree. I mean, okay. I, listen, they outplayed themselves, I think, in against Pittsburgh, but... We kind of saw that happening. Yeah. Or just no, the fact that we knew they were outplaying themselves shows that they were truly a competitive team. Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah. No, let's let's be clear. And it would be super disingenuous of me to say that they've not gotten better in the offseason. I mean, I love the Tyler Toffoli signing. A really good player, perfect example of getting a veteran, a veteran style player, veteran credentials, but still at a young age and someone who has great possession and other analytic numbers, great term, great AAV. You know what? Like I'm not going to start, you know, arguing about the Tyler Toffoli deal. It's a good signing. Yeah, yeah very good signing. Yeah. But in terms of very good moves in the offseason, that's kind of where Bergevin's unquestioned success ends. He went into the offseason with approximately $18 million in cap space and really only needed to sign Max Domi to a significant extension. In a flat cap league, that $18 million was a weapon, and he really didn't use it effectively. The other three big additions, Josh Anderson, Jake Allen, Joel Edmonston, they all have a question mark around them, and they got they cost picks to get access to sign them to those extensions. So now we're looking at a core of the team that is kind of in place now for at least the next five, six years, especially after handing out the extensions to Petrie and Gallagher. This team's now officially cap-crunched going into in going into the next offseason when they have to re-sign a player like Jesperi Kutniemi. Now, did he plug the four holes on the roster? A left defenseman, a couple of wingers, and a backup goalie? Absolutely. But he did it. Did he do it in a way that made the team significantly better or just marginally better? And let's say that now they're a fringe eight seed team with all that money now tied up in a core of Gallagher, Anderson, Weber, Petrie, Price, Toffoli, and then Edmondson and Allen being well-paid utility players. Where can any more help actually come from? Does it not seem like Mark Bergevin was trying to save his job by just making another eight seed run instead of thinking about the long-term health of the team? And listen, I, I mean, obviously it's easy to say like they should have signed Tory Krug, they should have sign Taylor Hall, but we know that's like not a league works. You have to make the pitch and sign these guys. But I'm talking about laying in wait with that cap space that you've got for when a player like Nate Schmidt became available, who addressed the exact need this team had, or Devin Taves became available when the Islanders found themselves in a cap crunch. Or guys, I know this is kind of like revisionist history, but even offer sheeting a player like like uh, Miguel Sergachev, like Tampa Bay has not figured out their cap situation yet. So when imagine, I say this team, Imagine we offer sheeted Sergachev and he signs with the Habs. Oh my God, I would love it. It would have been great. Yeah, I would yeah. love it. So, so, like, don't get me wrong. When I say the team is going to be more mediocrity, I don't necessarily mean that as, like, the team is going to be bad. Mediocre in and of itself is not bad. Bad is bad. What they've been for the last three or four years is bad. But yeah. to me, the argument I'm making is, like, they're not going to be significantly better. That's true. I, I can't uh, you know what? I, you know what, Dave? I can't disagree with you there. I mean, I, li I kind of like what Bergevin has done. I was ne I've also never been a Bergevin hater. I think that the city is split here, just like the, like the country is split in the states where <laughs> Trump – if you are if you if you don't like Trump, you're, anything he does, you're going to hate. If you don't like Bergevin, anything he does, you're going to hate. So I think that I've always been kind of like 
you know, give him the benefit of the doubt kind of thing. And I like the signings of Toffoli. I like the the trade of um, of uh, Anderson for Anderson. I mean, I don't think that Domi was working out here. It, he, I still think he's a very effective player. He's a good player. I just don't think it was working out. He wasn't what we needed. He wanted to play center. We're stacked at center for the first time in a long time. Well, stacked. We have three very good centers that we can play. Um, I think that what you're seeing, the way you look at it as, you're looking at it as uh, the regular season. After the regular season, we were mediocre. But if you looked at what we did in the playoffs, uh, what the Habs did in the playoffs, is I think that you saw a light there. And with that light, with the guys that we signed, I think it filled a lot of voids. But you are 100% on the nose when it comes to those question marks. We don't know if Anderson's going to be the guy that we think he's going to be a power forward like Tom Wilson. We don't know that because he's been banged up. He has had surgery. You know what I mean? He's locked in for seven years now. It's a little weird. Joel Edmondson, I mean, he, as, as good as a player he is, he won a Stanley Cup with St. Louis. We don't know if he's going to be able to take on this bigger role because now he's going to have a bigger role with the Habs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Petrie signing, you know, he had a great year last year. Is he going to fall into that category? as we signed him and now he's going to start playing not playing as well i don't think so i think he's a very effective player a very underrated defenseman in the nhl yeah i mean look he'll at the holy great he'll signing be 30, the thing about the thing about the petrie thing is he's going to be 33 when that deal kicks in right yeah. like that deal kicks in after this season and that concerns me right like we look at all those those uh, defensemen in san jose who are now very overpaid and looking very sluggish on the ice and yeah. even a player like vlasic is under like he's only 30 and you're already seeing a decline in his game so it does make it, it makes me concerned when i see Vlasic's you know over 30 i felt like he was my age when I was growing up when we were playing. I think he might be 30 on the pin now. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I agree, but you know what? You're trying to win. You're trying to have some success now. You don't want to think about these things seven years later. And Josh Anderson's contract is a very tradable contract, so I think I, I don't think if if it's not working out, I don't think he'll end up finishing his contract with the Habs. Mm. The same with the, the Gallagher contract is structured well so that they can kind of get away with it, get get out from under it, after, you know, with a couple of years left. Yeah. Um, we're, we're running short on time. Dave, do you want to join us for rapid fire? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Yeah, awesome. Eagle, enough. do it. Uh, all right. Uh, some of this stuff has graphics on everything, so that's going to be a little bit tricky. But anyway, uh, getting filled in. As the Bengals and Colts got set to play, um, there's a particular graphic that showed the main category where Rivers was ahead over his lifetime career. Let me go ahead and pull this up for you so you can see it. But essentially, trying to compare uh, Philip Rivers, who has played God knows how many particular games, uh, into uh, uh, Jim, uh, Joe Burrow, who has never played anything. So here you guys can now see what? it on screen, hopefully. And if yeah, but you're missing the key stat, Eags. Which is right at the bottom. Children, nine <laughs> for Rivers, zero for Joe Burrow. Um, I will say... I just kept thinking of all the times Rivers was down four with the field to go, no timeouts in 90 seconds. Uh, and and the fact that, you know, the Chargers lost a lot of the game. It turns out Rivers has never been good at pulling one out. That's a good point. I like it. End it there. I love Philip Rivers. He's a great guy. And he's the best trash talker in the league, I think. He's great. Because he doesn't swear and he still gets it done. Yeah. All right, next one, self-awareness 100. So there's a Twitter account called NHL Nosebleed, and they posted a question saying, name a NHL player you were convinced would turn out to be a superstar but never panned out. To which Andrew uh, Raycroft replied with Andrew Raycroft. (laughs) Andrew Raycroft is is an absolute beauty, man. He's he's the classic. He knows where he is on this planet. He knows exactly where he fits in, and I think that tweet is ultimate for him. Yeah, it's um, honestly, I was excited of uh, seeing Andrew Raycroft early in his career, and he just was a guy who was fine. 
for a long time. And and like that's okay. He had a good career. Uh, but I will say the self awareness on this post, excellent. <laughs> yeah, top end, top notch. Great job by. <laughs> Uh, caught with his fly down. Uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were caught on a hot mic criticizing the flyover of military jets ahead of the NFL uh, game they were broadcasting. Um, they've since backtracked their comments. Um, first off, because all of you work in media, I would never do that to you. I tell you when your mics are hot. So through you, Fox broadcast team, definitely threw them under the bus on that one. But yes, your so thoughts. What they said wasn't really that bad. All they said is this is pointless spending. That's all they said, basically. Yeah. Like, Which, why by the way... Wouldn't we all agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I, I don't think there's one person that doesn't agree to this, unless you're like you're really from the sticks of Alabama oh, and you really you know want who doesn't agree. Flying. You know who doesn't agree, Terry? All of Twitter that were hammer, hammering Troy Aikman for not being patriotic. First of all, being patriotic doesn't mean not questioning your country. In fact, <laughs> the entire country was born on that principle. Now, aside from that, um, he was criticizing it specifically during the time of a pandemic where so many people are out of work. The NFL and the, the military are spending this kind of money on basically advertising where no other sport flies jets over. Um, and it's the same league. It's the same league where people are very happy to say to the players, you know, we don't want you uh, leading our morality, but they're okay with the NFL dictating their morality uh, exactly. in this way. It's uh, it, it's totally bizarre to me, guys, with the flyovers. I don't know if you guys remember in the NHL playoffs, they were doing flyovers over a closed arena in Edmonton. I was like, what kind of a waste of money is this? All I the wonder way how much it actually through. costs. Uh, and you know the other thing I couldn't figure out during the NHL bubble is when non-Canadian teams were playing, they were still playing the Canadian national anthem. I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Well, like, they're in just... Canada. I guess. Ah, come on! Like, there's there's <laughs> no need. There's no need. <laughs> Next Very one we have, habit. Lomachenko, not reborn. Uh, Terry, there's no details here, but I believe this is relating to the fact that he injured himself before his big fight. Is that basically the story? Well, that's what they're saying. Now. They're saying that he fought injured. He looked a little chubby to me. Uh, I watched uh, live. I only watched the last three rounds, but then I went back and I watched the fight, and he didn't look great. And Lomachenko uh, getting dethroned now, and a lot of people are hating on him, being like, oh, you see, he's not one of the best pound for pound. Listen. Reality is, is Lomachenko is going to get his rematch with this kid Lopez. And this kid Lopez is supposedly, and he looks like he's going to be the next big thing in boxing, especially at that at that weight class where you don't really have a big superstars. Now, Lomachenko, I mean, this guy has made his made his name for himself being a world champion and killing everybody with only 12 professional fights and having 200 amateur fights undefeated in amateur. Uh, so, I mean, he'll be back, but like, there's this whole thing, like, is he the, one of the best pound for pound? We don't think so. I still think he is. If he loses again to Lopez, then we can have that conversation, but well, fucking but, Twitter but hating on him is ridiculous. First of all, first of all, if uh, being chunky is an indicator of being injured, then I've been injured since I was 23 years old. Oh, I'm um, still injured, yeah. Secondly, 23. Secondly, Holy fuck. 13 if, at if least. If he, uh, if he, you know, gained a bit of weight, wouldn't it be more impressive? Because isn't he more pound for pound at that point? <laughs> because <laughs> he's he's packing him in. Yeah, I'll agree. I watched it. You know that I'm not as refined fight fan as you are. I noticed that he didn't look to be particularly he in shape. Look he looked worn out. Uh, I think he's going to come back strong because, hey, it's a wake-up call, right? Especially, he. I'm sure he doesn't like being called, you know, a bust or this and that, whatever, all the things you're reading on Twitter. So I'm sure he's going to come back strong. He's also I think a beautiful man. 
He is very good looking. I will say to Terry's credit, you know, when you mentioned those 200 amateur fights, that kind of looked like the style of fight he was bringing to Lopez on on Saturday. It looked like he really was trying to point fight. And Lopez was using a lot of speed and a lot of power. And it was clear that Lomachenko could not get off anything that really scared Lopez. And Lopez just stayed in that in that phone booth all fight and just kept peppering him with heavy shots. I I listened to Roy Jones Jr. on Joe Rogan's podcast today. And that was from a few weeks ago. And he was talking about how he thinks Lopez is going to win and how he's going to win. And he won exactly the same way. And uh, it's impressive. I think that he's going to be a big, a big name. I never, I didn't really know him that well. I'd heard his name, but couldn't tell you what he looks like, what his record was or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so I think he's going to be a big guy, a big star. Cold gaze. Reason number I stopped counting at this point as to why Adam Gase is still employed. Oh he has not God. had a top 20 ranked quarterback since Peyton Manning was his quarterback back in Denver. So clearly, Pease, you've seen him in uh, with the Dolphins. Uh, actually, Dave, yep. you too. I can see the merchandise behind you. Um, give me a reason why Gaze should be an NFL coach. Um, kidnapping he kidnapped someone's daughter and forced them to keep him hired that's the only reason like woody johnson <laughs> probably needs to undergo like some sort of taken thing where he needs to find adam gase and kick his ass because there's no other reason why he's a head coach i'm never a guy to call for someone's job it is clear to me adam gase is incompetent i don't understand why anyone ever called him an offensive genius he had Peyton Manning in his worst offensive season, who still did okay. Um, and then after that, year after year, it's just been how many three-yard outs and, and and drag routes and slant routes can you call? It's just it's it's boring. It's ineffective. It's getting worse year after year. He can't get out of his own way. I think that I think that he's the reason. He's he just literally thinks that he's reinventing something right now, and he's like, oh, give it time, it'll work, but it's not going to work. If you want to rebuild your team, you hire Adam Gase because for two or three years, he's going to burn it to the ground and then you're in perfect position to get the first overall pick. There you go. Hey, Dave, that's I how we got Tua. That's how we got Tua. That's actually genius. You. Yeah, yeah. It's like, let's sports. rebuild. Okay, what do we got to do? We got to burn everything. All right, yeah, Gase, bring him, bring him in. Bill O'Brien, bring him in. Yeah, but O'Brien's going to trade away your draft pick while burning it to the ground. So that's the issue with Bill O'Brien. It's, it's okay because Gates will just cut your players. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. With O'Brien, you get something back. It's a step up. It's a step up from Gates. Uh, last one, and I think, Pease, you may have a last one after this. Um, fish and I chips, more actually, like sorry, Dick and Jizz. Uh, Manchester United defender uh, Aaron Juan uh, Bicasse gets caught in a love square and loves to slurp the finished product. Someone has to fill me in on what that means. All right, so let, this is why I, I made it very vague so you so I can explain the story. So we have a massive love square. It's not necessarily a love triangle. So the defender for for Man United Bisaka, he is dating a woman. He then slept with another woman. That other woman went on Snapchat or Instagram Live, whatever it was, and called out the fact that he's been cheating on his girlfriend with her. And, he, and she also called out the fact that he has a kid on the way with another woman. But she, she also called out the fact that he likes to slurp the, the sperm out of the girl's vagina Ooh. after he's done. Listen, man, Terry, we're we're sex positive show, man. If that's the thing yeah. that gets him going, that gets you what going, I'm man. Is, like, like, how salty do you want it? My thing is... Maybe he thought this was an effective way uh, for, 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 you know, to prevent having a child. It didn't work out Clearly. because he, he <laughs> is going to be having one. Um, that said, listen, you, when your public business gets out on Instagram, you need to know that this is going to be how it is. Otherwise, you just got to follow the, the, the Phil Rivers playbook. If you know you can't pull out, just stick with one. 
Give her nine kids, and that's what you got. That's what you got. Dave, I'll, I'll respect you if you want to do no comment on this one. No, no. All I'll say is there are uh, 17 essential amino acids in semen. There, <laughs> there we go. you go. There As an go. athlete, Health Health As an athlete, testosterone, maybe that's why he's so good. He just slurps his own jizz he all the time. He never gives his testosterone up. He always gets it back. Yeah. And also, the two girls that he was dating ended up uh, were our ex-girlfriends of a former teammate. So there's another twist. Ah, they got a little Sean Avery, Dion Phaneuf going on there, eh? Yeah, yeah. Sloppy seconds. All right. Uh, and then there was something KFC-related piece. I don't have it here, but I know you oh, no. wanted to mention it. I don't know. No, no. So KFC is the story of – is KFC is uh, Kevin Clancy from Barstool. He's the story that I shared on the group chat, but there's no – Ah, got it. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he I thought it was st- like the chicken, so I was like, all right, no, this is no, weird. No. <laughs> all right, well, um, Dave, thank you for joining us. You've been great. Terry, you've been yourself. I've been Eagle, trying. you've been our producer. I've been Pease. You've been listening to Hot Did Sauce Sports. You, you have to trust that the sound plays. Yes, you can't hear it. You've been listening to Hot every Sauce Every week, <laughs> every week you do this to me. I tell you it plays. I tell you don't comment on the fact it doesn't play, and you do it anyways. Absolutely. I'm making it. I'm making a gift with that dance. Now we all start each other. Yeah. Eagle's gonna get mad at us because he knows that we're talking while the music's playing.